Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everyone. It is Pierce, host of the PJ's Cast. And if you enjoy listening to the PJ's Cast as much as we do recording it, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends no matter what platform you may be on. We love discussing the Chicago Blackhawks and, of course, the game of hockey. But we want to reach this out to a wider audience. And doing all those things really help us out. So once again, if you enjoy the PJ's Cast, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends. And I hope you guys enjoyed the upcoming podcast episode. Welcome everyone to the PJ's cast. I'm your host, Pierce, alongside of my good pal, Schmitty. What's going on, Schmitty? Uh, not much. How are you doing, Pierce? I'm doing quite well. It's just the two of us tall kings today. Uh, Jimmy is out uh, with a uh, lower body injury, upper body injury, whatever it is. So uh, We'll see, according to Coach yeah, Q. Yeah, we'll see. According to, co- according to Coach Q, we'll see. We'll know uh, more details later. So, uh, yeah, it's just the two of us. And uh, last night, the Chicago Blackhawks were down 4-1. to one, And when I was watching that game, I'm like, I can't take any more of this. I was so frustrated. I was oh. like, they it was 3-1 because I think it was Granlin who got the buzzer beater. It was like one second left. And I'm like, oh, boy. And then I go for a walk during the intermission. And I come back. And I see that it's 4-1. to one. I'm like, okay, I'm going back out again. I need to clear my <laughs> And then I go, like, uh, I kind of just go around the neighborhood again. Then I come back, it's 4-3, to three, and I'm like, holy crap, what's happening? I'm like, there's no way they do this. And then it was Kubalik who tied it up, and I'm like, this, there's no way this is happening. And then right after, <laughs> they get a four-minute power play. I'm like, no, no, this is not happening. I refuse to believe it. And I knew it was too good to be true. They didn't score on the power play, but man, oh, man. It goes to overtime, and Brandon Hagel, who had a fantastic game, caps off the amazing comeback, and... Oh man, like I, I was not expecting this in a million years. The fact that they even came back against Nashville, it was just they've struggled against them all season long. Long they haven't won a game, and not only that, but um, like going back to the 2017 playoffs, which I believe they got swept exactly four years ago, a couple days, 
couple days earlier. So it just seems since then that Nashville's had their number. Every game you've watched this season, like they just smother them. They give them nothing. And we see in the Blackhawks, they've been able to hang on with teams like Tampa Bay and Carolina in the division who are very much better than a team like Nashville. But it just seems like Nashville has skill. Sure. Yeah, definitely. But it just seems like Nashville has their number, and like even like when the Nashville just doesn't give you anything, and even when you do, UC Saros has been there, and uh, yeah, it was it was great to see that win. But <laughs> and it, it makes you wonder going into the next game, does that give the Blackhawks more confidence going forward, or does that piss off Nashville even more? And UC mm-hmm. Saros will pitch like a a forty save shutout. I don't know, but I just want to hear your thoughts on the game. So I'm just going to take you through what my mindset was. Like you said, you went on a walk. When I saw that Grandling goal, I looked at my parents and I was just like, and that's the season right there. (laughs) No forward was back checking. And that was just, and I, and I, and I honed on it. I feel like you you and I have honed on this all year where it's like, just like, you got to play to the final horn, no matter what this team has had. Like, I mean, this is especially a, a good example. If they just actually play their best game for a full game, they're a great hockey team, and they did it for like only twelve minutes last night, and they, and they still won the won. game. Yeah, and it's just like, oh my gosh! Like I'm still speechless. Like I can't believe it because yeah. all those goals happened in like a three minute span, and mm-hmm. on top of that, Nashville called the timeout after the second one, and the Hawks are just like, yeah, that's not going to matter. Kubalik's going to get wide <laughs> open the slot. Like, um, okay, <laughs> like this. This game has – it was probably one of the craziest Hawks games in the last few years, easily, just because – that. I mean, if they lose, that's the season right there. Like, that yeah. is the season right there. There's – like, they'll be, what, five back in Nashville or something, mm-hmm. and Nashville will be 7-0 and against them. Like, oh, my gosh. And, like, I don't know if you felt the same with the game, but, like, when they didn't score on that power play and that four-minute power play was just so, like, bland, I just sat there. I was like – we had all this momentum for like five minutes and then crafted away going into overtime, but Hagel didn't care. So yeah, <laughs> That's West, nice. Western Canadian boys do not give a fuck. And I love it. Um, not only, not, not only Hagel was great, but so was Vinny Henestrosa. Um, he had three points that game, his first goal coming back to Chicago. And how, how excited is he to be a Blackhawk again? Cause Got traded to Arizona as part of the hosted deal. Um, I think he had a good first season there, but then the second season didn't work out. Then he signs with Florida in free agency. Didn't work out. I think he went pointless in nine games. And then Stan Bowman makes a low-risk move, trades like, I think it was Brad Morrison, who was like an AHL player. He was never going to crack the main roster. Yeah, exactly. And he has seven points in eight games. And it's just incredible what he's done, the speed he brings and the skill he brings. The Blackhawks need that. And uh, we saw that on display, not only with Vinny Henestrosa, but Brandon Hagel as well. And it was just awesome to see them combine together to get that uh, OT goal because they're definitely the two best players outside of Malcolm Subban, who I thought was terrific. And I think it kind of got lost in the mess because the, the Blackhawks did score like five goals or three goals in that quick span, five goals total. And also that like the, the Blackhawks led in four goals, but Malcolm Subban still had a 900 save percentage. He stopped 36 of 40. It was incredible that game. And I think, I think you agree with me on this, but I think he should get the next game against Nashville. hundred oh, right. percent. He was, he was lights out in that game. And the thing that no one realizes is um that game in the second could have been five, one. So easily with the oh, way it could have been even worse defense. than that. Yeah, I know there was a chance from Nick Cousins that he stopped point blank. I think there was a Duchesne chance he stopped point blank that period. He robbed Arvidsson on that glove save, and when Malcolm Subban made that save, I was like, "Huh, okay, you see that, boys? Let's do something." Your goalie doesn't want to quit right now, mm-hmm. and 
like I'm not like most of those goals I'm not gonna blame on him. The Granlin no. one maybe, but like I, it's not even. Dude, but he again, kept them in that game so much. And you, it, when you go to the Granlin goal, it's like Subban's keeping them in this whole game, but yeah, uh, Murphy Murphy gets walked. Yeah, Murphy gets walked around. Not and, and poor Murphy, man. Like he had such a terrible man. game. Thank God Connor that Murphy, they won that game. Like Connor Murphy, better buy the whole team a steak dinner. Like, I was I was gonna <laughs> say that. Yeah. He probably oh. he had probably his worst game as a hawk, which is surprising because he's so consistently good. You know, he's not gonna overwhelm you with his skill, but he's just always shows up, plays his good defensive game, and once in a while contributes I offensively. You know, yeah. There, you, but uh, he had a really rough game. But you also look on that play. Where what were the forwards? I think it was Camp oh. Carpenter and Kane. They were yep. so far back. It was a, like you said, it was a four. None of them were even on the camera when they scored. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it, and it just comes back to like. You gotta play. You gotta play the first. Like the worst goals to give up are in the first minute and the last minute of the period. And mm-hmm. for some reason, the Hawks haven't registered that yet in their head. And I hope they have now because I think they've lost like three games this year because of like last minute goals. In yeah, a game the Victor Hedman goal, the Columbus game, and I'm pretty sure I'm missing another one. Carolina, Columbus, and Tampa. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> they had a game like that, and then like Nashville, they had one in like the last three minutes, but that's a little different. But um. Yeah, I, I love what Henestrosa has brought to this team so much, though, going back to that, because um, when, when you have, like, a guy like Hagel, it allows, like, a line to have that guy who brings energy every shift. And when you have Henestrosa, you can put a guy like that on two lines. And I've st- I, I feel like Kane was in a bit of a rut, and Henestrosa is helping him get out of that rut because it's allowing Kane to get a little more creative space. Suter will go to the net and go get the rebounds and whatnot. And Henestrosa is not bad with the puck either. So it allows <clears> – <throat> and then you put Hagel with Doc and Navrinkit. You have a pretty – not a great top six, but it's a formidable top six at least. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you still got Kubelik on the third line. It gives you options. It gives you way more options than this team had a month ago. That's for sure. And that's what a team like Nashville makes you do, like I brought up earlier. They make you work for every inch of space. And – even though they did win this game, like it's still they've had so much troubles against Nashville going back to that 2017 playoff series. And I think in the offseason that they do need to look for a guy. They, they need to look for more guys like Brandon Hagel and Vinny Henestrosa that are never going to give up on any puck that are going to battle. Because I think it was Hagel that, or no, it was Henestrosa that forced uh, Roman Yossi to turn over the puck on that first goal. And no, that was uh, Hagel. Oh, that was Hagel. Yeah, but it, it, see, they're just they're just such a similar <laughs> they just, player. They're, like, they're making yeah, plays they, left and right. Yeah, yeah, I know, and that's what you need. Like just guys that are not going to give up on plays that are going to, even if it's Roman Yossi, who's one of the best defensemen in the NHL, you're still going to go after him. You're going to force him to turn over pucks and exactly. you know make like an odd man rush on all that stuff. And they just need more players like that. And <clears throat> going forward, like I think uh, we talked about this yesterday. We actually recorded a podcast episode, but we had to cut it short. But uh, this one will go out. But we we brought up, or I think it was Jimmy that brought up uh, Zach Hyman as a potential fit for the Blackhawks, and I think that'd be a great fit because I was looking at some of his stats. Like his Corsi four is is it's, I think it's just above fifty. But then you look at his expected goals for his high danger chances for they're almost at sixty percent, and that's exactly what the Blackhawks need. Someone who's going to get to the blue paint, who's never going to give up on any puck, and uh, I think ex- that's exactly what the uh, Blackhawks need. And, like, one thing that people don't bring into account is, like, the Leafs are going to be very tight against the cap. The Hawks mm-hmm. can give Zach Hyman, like, four or five million if he wants it, which I'm okay with giving him that. He's proven he's a 30-goal guy in a full season. And he's already proven he can carry his own line, too, in a way. Like, when he plays third line for the Leafs, that line's fours. It's not like he's not playing with Matthews or Marner or anyone. He's probably playing – and he's usually playing with, like, Mikheyev and – um like Kerfoot and he can still carry a line like that. So 
if they can get a guy like Hyman, and then you got him, Hagel, and if you re-sign him to Stroza, that him too, which I feel like is a must now if you're uh, Stan Bowman, because, I mean, look at the chemistry he has like, with this Hawks team right now. He's... He's reinvigorated the offense, which it boggles my mind how Henestros is not on the power play yet, but Connolly is. Because, I'm sorry, Connolly's goals are at a zero now after that block last night. Oh my god, yeah. Completely goals. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like Connor Murphy. What if they don't win that game and it was uh, only by one goal? Not only do you look at Connor Murphy, but you look at Brett Connolly who blocked, I think it was Kalanuk's chance. And he had a goal too. I thought, I think Kalanuk has been getting better every game and I, I love, I love, love, love seeing him play. Such a pleasant surprise. Like he gives me hope that even if the Hawks don't like pick up anyone, they could still get rid of a Dahan or a Zadorov, and then your left side next year could be, well, because you're still gonna have Keith, because obviously they're not gonna get rid of him. Keith, Bodan, and Kalinuk, and that's like pretty formidable. And like I think Bodan needs to be playing full time next year. Oh, definitely. So does Ian Mitchell and all the young yeah, guys. All the kids do. Like the top six next year should be Keith, like just not in no order. It's Keith Murphy, Boquist, Mitchell, Bodan, uh, Kalinuk. That should that should be what it is next year, but. Bowman's going to extend the door off and put a fucking... Oh, yeah, it's going to be like a, a six-times-six contract with a full movement clause, yo, you know it. Um, and that kind of brings us into the next topic, like the offseason. You look at, we brought up Brandon Hagel and Vinny Nostroza numbers times so far because they've been so great, and... Uh, uh, Brandon Hagel is at RFA. I don't think he is eligible for an offer sheet, so the Blackhawks can keep him however long they want, and they can sign with the contract without the threat of having a offer sheet by a other team. And Vinny Hinnestroza, who is a UFA, but if I'm Vinny Hinnestroza and I'm the Chicago Blackhawks, like that's a perfect marriage. The it works. Yeah, they gotta find a deal there. Because like. Vinny Hinnestroza, um, he's been like he's almost been point per game since we brought him back. He has seven points in eight games. He's been great. He's bringing the energy every shift. He's bringing the skill as well. And if I'm Stan Bowman, if I'm Vinny Henestrosa, just like they they gotta they got like they gotta get a deal done there. And um, what else was I gonna bring up? Uh, man, like I really slipped my mind. I don't know what the hell I was gonna bring up, but um, well, I'm just curious how they extensions are going to work here because I could see a world where you can get hit. Like Jimmy mentioned it earlier about like the Colton Sissons deal in the group chat. Like I could see a world where Hagel gets like four times 2.5 or something. And Bowman's just like, listen, we see you as a long-term piece of this team. We're trying to lock you down long-term to get you through those next contracts. Because after this year, it's, it's going to be very interesting where they go with contracts because almost everyone's up on this team in, in the next two years after yeah. this year. So, it will definitely be interesting, but I can see that as a guy who you lock up long term, like for sure. Yeah, I don't know if you give him seven years like David Poyle no, with no, Colton no, no, Sissons. No, no. I think like, four is where you go. But like three, one. yeah, like, three, four, five years is probably good. If like um, not like years. not like the not like the money wise, but like yeah. the cap, the length of like those Kappen and Janssen deals, something like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I just think like you could. There's definitely a solution to get those two back on the team long term, and like. Even if you have to clear up a forward or something, they're worth clearing up a forward for. I I feel like that's been shown the last couple of weeks for sure. Because like even though this team has had trouble scoring, usually those two are the catalysts, and that's a big thing no one's talking about. Hagel didn't play last game because of that false positive. Mm-hmm. This team looks completely different when Brandon Hagel's in the lineup. Like, and like I know people will be like, well, fourth liner can't push the team, but like a guy that plays like that definitely impacts other players, especially his line mates. So. 
Yeah, it's so hard to play like with that kind of effort night in and night out, especially when you're that young and such a compressed schedule. So Brandon Heigl, who brings it at his all every night, it's just you need a player like that. And same with Vinny Henderson, again, coming back from the Blackhawks, like he's brought it his all every night. And uh, the point that completely slipped my mind that came back to me is that Nikita Zadorov and Calvin DeHaan, they need to find a way to get rid of them. I see Calvin DeHaan kind of as like Oli Mata, where you're probably not going to get anything for him. So what they did with Oli Mata was... Yeah, just retain. Team. Yeah, just get him off the team. Get a draft pick. Get, a, get an HL player. Maybe if you can trade yeah. that HL player for another Vinny Henderson type player, like they did with uh, Brad Morrison. You never know. But uh, Nikita Zadorov in Seattle takes him. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the more interesting one is Nikita Zadorov because you trade Brandon Sod for him, and uh, apparently there were some teams interested in the trade deadline. But uh, the asking price was too much, which is understandable if you're Stan Bowman, because you trade a brand sod for him, and it's not like he's a UFA, so it's not like you have to get rid of him. He's an RFA. You still have him within your control. Um, but you got to find some way to get rid of Nikita Zadorov because um, I think he's he wants like a four times four contract. He does like it in Chicago, but oh man, it just seems you could see. Even if you keep like a Riley Stillman as your seventh defenseman who kind of plays a more physical, old-fashioned kind of game that like like Zdorov does, it just doesn't make sense to sign him to uh, a contract like that. Because Stan Bowman has preached, and I think he's done a better job of like getting shorter contracts, no no movement clauses, and all that stuff, and term and money and all that, and just going signing Nikita Zdorov just goes completely back on what they're trying to do. And again, I just think they could probably. I bet you there's a team out there that thinks, oh, big defenseman, former first round pick, he's six six, can skate pretty well for his size. You know, there's a team that's going to want to take a gamble for him and maybe give something of value up for him. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Like, it, I definitely see a world where at the expansion draft or at the draft, there's a package where Zadorov goes to a team for, like, a second or something. Like, it doesn't even have to be a lot. Like, it's just going to – you got to get him off the team because it, you at this point, they're going to get to a point – or the, the Hawks are going to get to a point, like, um, development-wise, where they're just going to either – they're just going to hinder these young kids' developments because you can't keep calling them up to the taxi squad and just putting them in the press box every night – and if they're not going to be in Rockford every game playing top minutes, they got to be playing games here. And it seems like that's kind of past Bowman in a way, because like I've seen like Mitchell and Bodan, they get called up and called down and stuff, but it's like, how do you expect these kids to develop if they're just watching the game every night? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think you can't have your whole defensive core as rookies. You need some, no, 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 no. Yeah. You need some veteran stability in there, which I think why Keith and Murphy work out. But you also can't have guys like Calvin DeHaan and Nikita Zadorov. You need to kind of find big minutes there. too. Yeah, like you got to count that. Like I like I could definitely see a world next year where the top four is like Boquist, Murphy, um, Kalanuk, and then like I don't even think well they'll throw Keith in there. But like in my perfect world, someone steps up to where Keith had, can play third pairing minutes. And we can just put him out on the ice in specific situations that, like, are good for him. But, you know, that's wishful thinking, so. <laughs> yeah, and another thing that uh, Jimmy brought up in uh, the podcast that we didn't release last night, huh? Nick- Nicholas Jalmerson is a UFA this offseason, mm-hmm. and I think that would be He would be a good, like, and you know he'd take a hometown discount. You guys oh, thinking, totally, so. yeah. And you know, Stan Bowman just like keeps on acquiring old Blackhawk players. It just it makes so much sense for uh, Nicholas Jalmerson to, Jalmerson well, to come back to Chicago. Too, kind of. Yeah, he, 
put him and Keith in that locker room, they will help, especially Jalmerson. Jalmerson, like, put Jalmerson with a guy like Kalanuck for a year. Kalanuck's going to be such a better Or guy. Bowden. Yeah, just yeah. any one of those young guys, and they'll get better. And, like, I don't mean to sound like that guy, but, like, Jalmerson might even be a good signing, too, because, like, I love him to death, but he's probably not going to play a full season. So it gives you options to mm-hmm. sub in and sub out and give you some good defensive depth. So that way, you're not playing a kid every night. But you also have that uh, you have that stability on the back end in case you need it. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think it'll be like a one year deal because, like you brought up, he's had a lot of injury issues. He's getting older. It's just how much does he have left to give? He's won his cups and all that stuff. I think he has. I'm pretty sure he has a family. Exactly. Yeah, he has a wife and kids, and it would just make sense. Let's for go him back to the farm and speed. Exactly. It makes sense for him to go back maybe like down the road that he takes a like a development role in the organization or any kind of role in the organization, which I feel is a very like a likely possibility. And I think you could get him for a contract at one year for say between somewhere like two and four million dollars. Just yeah, give him I was no thinking like one clause. year three yeah. mil or something. Like yeah. the Hawks are gonna have that cap space if um Seabrook and Shaw are on LTIR. That's like ten mil in itself. So Mm-hmm. They'll have room to make those moves. And, like, I know I mentioned it a couple podcasts ago that they should get a backup goalie with the waist. Like, I'm going to let the season play out because if these, like, Lankanen and Subban with the way they're playing, they've kind of earned the right to hold the reins next year, too, I think, when the team's a little more stable defensively. Yeah, so. and you look at you look at Lankanen's numbers, they have plummeted, but you know, a lot of that has to do with the defense. You wonder with a, a solid defense how much better Lankanen and Subban could actually be behind them. Um, yeah, I agree. It's just like another big thing with Lankin and too is the our penalty kill dropped. Oh, it's crater. And yeah. that and Lankin's not good on the penalty kill to begin with, so that probably didn't help a save percentage either. No. But like that that's what I'm curious about. I, I should I'm curious what Lankin's five on five save percentage is. I don't know where I can find that. Um, natural stat trick, I believe, is the best place because it shows you like five on five save percentage, high danger save percentage. It's yeah, like sure. basically every save percentage at uh, five on five. But yeah, um, Subban and Lincoln and both have one more year at under one million dollars, and I think you give them one more year. If it doesn't work out, then maybe you go look at free agency and sign. Look what there is. I, there's actually a lot of goalies this year. I think Tukarask is uh, a UFA. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I, I doubt he would go to Chicago, like or even leave Boston. I think he stays in Boston, even though Boston hates him for whatever reason. But <laughs> yeah, that that really makes no sense. It's so weird. Well, that's like that's like a whole other issue, man. I I, I don't Honestly. understand why Tukarask. They hate Tukarask. He's by all metrics a Hall of Fame goalie. I think he has a, over nine twenty save percentage in his career in the regular season, and like almost a nine thirty save percentage in the playoffs. Like, he, yeah, he he's, brought. He's been incredible for them. Like he should probably also have a second Vesna in there, but yeah, definitely. So just, he's so consistent. He's one of the few goalies that's so consistent, which is so hard to do as a goaltender. Mm-hmm. And like he's brought you to the Stanley cup final twice. And like the first time you lose to the Chicago Blackhawks and then in, in 2019, you lose to St. Louis in game seven. Like anything can happen in a game seven. And I don't think any of that was his, any of that was his fault. No. But Anyways, that's a, that's a whole other issue we can get into. Boston fans, you don't deserve to grasp. But, uh, oh, not not even a bit. Like, I see – oh, by the way, I just looked it up. Kevin Lincoln has a 9.28 5-on-5 save percentage. So yeah, that sounds about right. Definitely. Definitely is the penalty kill is the reason Lincoln is save percentage. Oh, definitely. Did. Yeah. Yeah, he's got very good 5-on-5 stats on natural stat trick. So, very interesting. But um, I agree 100%. Like <clears> – <throat> Um, so, 
the next topic I want to get into is uh, the Calder race because it's narrowed down to two players and uh, Kirill Kaprizov, who was basically the front runner since the beginning of the season, just. And but then you look at Jason Robertson, who has willed that Dallas team back into the playoff mix, and it's a very interesting race because Jason Robertson, as of we're recording, does have a, a higher points per game than Kirill Kaprizov. But then you look at how he's transformed that Minnesota Wild team to a team that's just boring, mediocre, middle of the pack, like they've been their entire existence. And Kirill Kaprizov comes in, makes them a very watchable team. He's like it, it, he just looks. He's so much fun to watch. I don't know if you saw that goal that he scored against. Arizona last night, but that was ridiculous. Like he went through, um, oh, no, uh, oh you have to look it up, but they, he, I think he went through two Arizona Coyotes defensemen and he got Kemper out of position, but they were blocking the front of the net. So he went behind the net, like banked it off. Like it was just an oh, incredible. My gosh. Are you watching yeah. it right now? Yeah, I'm yeah, looking it's, up, but you can continue talking. I'm listening. Yeah, but you, but then you look at Dallas's end of things, Jason Robertson, Dallas has had such a rough year with the whole COVID situation. I think it was the, the, the weather that they had there that they were shut down for a couple games. But uh, you look at Jason Robertson, he's driving that offense. And it's, and again, you think about like Kuro Kaprizov has been the favorite for such a long time. And uh, but Jason Robertson, he's definitely making his case and it's going to be a two man race. And it's going to be interesting to see, how it ends up, and I just want to hear what you what you think about it. So I I um I think we're on the separate sides. I feel like you're in the Jason Robertson fan club, and I'm in the Caprizov uh, fan club. Oh, I think I I love Caprizov. I think it's awesome that. Oh Minnesota yeah, well fun. I'm not saying you don't like Caprizov. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I, just, yeah. I think you're in the boat of thinking Robertson should win, right? So yeah. I I um I don't want to knock what Robertson's done, but mm-hmm. um because he's like every time he plays the, the the Hawks play the Stars, he's the best player on the ice usually for them forward wise. He. He and Hintz, if Hintz is playing, they're they've been electric. Like Rope Hintz is not getting talked they're about. They're such a pain. Yes, yeah. He's over a point per game right now. But um Is he actually? Yeah, he's got thirty seven and thirty two. Oh he doesn't play back to back games or whatever because of his injury or something like that. But um yeah, I just my my big thing with Holy the, crap, dude. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, That's crazy. Sorry. Rope Hintz is having a nice And another game. thing, Joe Pavelski, he has he he's almost point mm-hmm. per game. Like he's been ridiculous. Oh, Joe Pavelski everyone thought Joe Pavelski was gonna start falling off last year. No, that was just a down year. He's back. Like <laughs> he had an incredible this, playoffs and then he's mm-hmm. just even better this year. But yeah, continue, oh, sorry. I just um <laughs> the main reason I feel like Kaprizov should win is just because from almost about like early February, when he it took him like probably I'd say they'd take him like ten games to adjust to where he is now. Like he was already he was good the first ten games, but now he's a he's a star. Like he every time he steps on the ice, defenders get worried. And he has the wild right now locked in a third spot, basically in the in a west in a west division where you have Colorado and Vegas, and I've seen Kaprizov go toe to toe with those two teams and a couple times come out on top. So and it's usually he's the catalyst of the offense and like you said, the Wild have been known as this mundane, boring, tight-checking, like, not high-octane team. And they're not even – and the thing that makes it so interesting with Kaprizov, like, obviously Robertson's, like, when he goes on the power play, he's got, like, Haskin and Pavelski and whatnot. Kaprizov's doing this with Victor Rask as a center right now. Just yeah, like this true. guy gets yeah. an actual caliber – or NHL caliber center. Like mm-hmm. – Marco like, Rossi. And, I was going to say Marco Rossi coming like, up. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, I was, um, I was telling, like, I think I was telling my buddy Connor, he was, he was, like, talking about, we were talking about Kappers off, and I was like, if you put this dude with McDavid, he's getting 100 points with McDavid. Like, I mm-hmm. hope people know that. Like, he's that talented. He's just not, 
He's a little he's the fact that he's handcuffed offensively still and he's almost a point per game is what shocks me. Yeah, I still Yes, sir, you go. I still Oh my god. I still think he wins the call there just because again, just not only not from like a point production wise, he's still very good. But like you look at Jason Robertson, he does have the better uh, point per game. But Kirill Kaprizov, he just the way again the way he's transformed that Minnesota Wild uh, franchise and and you just like look at the way just like him playing and all that stuff. I I still think he gets the Calder, but I think Jason Robertson also deserves loves, and I think it's going to be like a really close race. But at the end of it, I still think that Kirill Kaprizov gets it. But okay. I honestly I can't be mad at either of them winning because they've been so great for their teams. Oh yeah, definitely. And um, it's just like it's a shock because Jason Robertson came. Like I want to give Jason Robertson props too because he was. It took until March to really get going, right? Because. Mm-hmm. I think he had, what, like 17 points in the month of March or something like that? He led all rookies, I know that. But after, like, March 1st, this dude just took off as an offensive juggernaut for the Stars. And now, like you said, he's propelled them back into the race. So you got to give him credit where credit's due. It'll definitely be interesting to see how the voting goes for that one. Yeah, I think definitely. it's going to be closer than people think. Like, Oh, it totally is. Like, people really think it like it's a runaway, but the, the votes might be a little closer than people think. Oh. Definitely. Now, and, the heart, they shouldn't be close, but that's a whole other story. No, 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 no. <laughs> but the thing with Kaprizov, we've known that he's going to come over and be an impact NHL player. Jason Robinson kind of came out of nowhere. Like, there was some talk about him being a decent top six player, but the, 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 the like, I don't think anyone was expecting, like, this kind of production, which is quite impressive. Yeah, he – biggest surprise of this year, for sure, I'll say Definitely. that. All right. Probably him and um, – yeah. On the topic of Minnesota, um, we brought this up in the chat, but uh, I think you sent the treat for Michael Russo that uh, Ryan Hartman is closing in on extension, and that finally came to fruition. He signed a three-year, $5.1 million extension, $1.7 million per year. And, yeah, good for him. The fact that he got term, maybe not the most money, but the fact he's found a home on a good team, and after kind of bouncing from team to team, he went from... He had a great first year in Chicago, didn't work out. He got traded for a first-round pick, and... Uh, a fourth. Around. He was in Philly yeah. at one point. Yeah, he was in no. Philly. Was it? I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but if you, oh, if I recall, Hartman was on a vacation after the season where he had no phone yeah. on a lake or on an island or something. Got traded from Dallas to Philly. And yeah. like when That's he got off he Dallas, I forgot. Yeah, about he that. got off like the boat, and his agent was just like, "Yeah, we gotta sit you down and tell you what just happened. <laughs> You've been traded around the block." Wait, hang on, I gotta look this up because he's bounced from oh, team to yeah, team. It was like I remember that being such a big story when that happened. He just like got back, and he's like, "Wait, what? I got traded twice." <laughs> yeah, so. Obviously drafted by Chicago, I think he got twenty goals his first year, but um. Yeah, he played on Nashville. He got traded to Philadelphia for Wayne Simmons at the 2019 trade down. And this is this is what happened like when he was at the beach. He got traded to Philadelphia from Dallas for Tyler Pitlick. And then after that year he signed a two-year contract with Minnesota in 2019 oh, and then now and then he signed a uh Three-year extension. So, yeah, he's bounced around, but honestly, good on him for finding, you know, even though he's not, like, a top-six player, but the fact that he's found a role on the Minnesota Wild, a good team, got term, and got some money, I think that's great for him. He fits Evanson's system, too, like, very well. Like, he, he's a great fourth-liner for that mm-hmm. team. Like, he's a, he's a high-energy guy. He'll actually go to the corners and make the plays that not a lot of players will make. 
it's got a little skill too that he can throw in and his shot's great he just kind of hasn't used it a lot in the last few years like i remember those goals he was scoring when he had i think like 19 20 goals that year he was they weren't like like sinkers he was scoring a couple just top shelf over the glove and whatnot so it'll be interesting and it's just like it's very interesting to see how that wild team's developed because mm-hmm. you got Jordan Greenway and Joel Erickson who have taken major steps this year. That's another reason they've been so well. You got Cap or Capo Kakinen, who's been they've great. got they've gotten great goaltending from Talbot. Oh, yeah, Talbot's been great. Um, and and to think like their defense is like offensively at least they've been a little lackluster this year. Like usually they got a pretty um pretty high octane defense back there, but Suter and Spurgeon have had relatively quiet years this year and like. Fiala had a slow start, and they still got going. Like, it, I give the Wild a lot of props. And Zuccarello was out for the first couple months, too, if I recall, right? I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He's, he unfortunately, he's had a lot of injuries. I don't know. Yeah, he's back, and I'm pretty sure he's doing well as well, which is good. Oh, yeah. It just seems like they're this- like no- – they they got that superstar with Cappers off, and now you got kind of see Kevin Fiala is an afterthought on that team, which I think is great for him. Like, oh yeah, no, that's not, great for their team. He's not the number one guy, yeah. And they're getting decent goaltending. They're getting a lot of good depth goal scoring. Like Joel Eriksson has been good. Marcus Foligno and like the guys you brought up, like Jordan Great. Like they're just getting contributions from everywhere, really. Yeah, and when Minnesota's good, it's good for the league because Minnesota fans are some of the best in the league. Yeah, state of good. state of hockey. Yeah, I don't know, man. The Chicago yeah. state of hockey. <laughs> Last but, time I checked. <laughs> yeah, how many cups does uh, Minnesota have? That's what I thought. Man, okay. <laughs> yeah, but they have more outdoor game wins than us. So, oh, that's true. Dude. Can't forget. Can't forget that a six-one win that they had a few years ago. I'm pretty sure. Anyways, um. Yeah. The Columbus Blue Jackets have been like silently plummeting and plummeting. The Detroit Red Wings have the same amount of points as them now, and I think they're ahead of them in the standings because of like yes. regulation wins. But uh, the stupid NHL app says regulation and overtime. Actually, never mind. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. They do show regulation wins. I swear to God. Like last night when I checked, it only showed regulation and overtime. They heard wins. your does... call, Pierce. Yeah, they heard me. They, mm-hmm. they, they were listening to the podcast that we didn't even get up. But uh, looking at it now, Columbus only has 11 regulation wins. Detroit has 14. Detroit actually has the same amount of regulation wins that we have. But that shows you really how much like we've gone to overtime and all yeah, that stuff. Definitely. But I think this is a blessing in disguise for Columbus because um, John Tortorella, like me and Jimmy have been giving him a lot of praise. But uh, the thing is with John Tortorella, he kind of, he's like his whole career, he's bounced from team to team, like Tampa Bay, he won the cup there, but then things got old. He left. I think he went to the Rangers then didn't win a cup, but things got old. He left. And then Vancouver one year, I think he took a couple of years off. And then Columbus, he makes them into a good team, even wins them their first playoff round. But uh, again, it just seems like the message is getting stale. Yeah, I agree. I was uh I was just wanted to like I remember on the Dangle podcast they talk about it a lot. They say that uh Tortorella's got a shelf life. Yeah, that's what like, that's what I mean. He has a shelf life. Like Yeah, like there's a certain point like where you can only deal with that type of that type of attitude and it's just gonna go in one ear and out the other. Like I know a lot of people give Dubois crap for the shift, but that's probably like that was probably his last bit of like, All right, I'm tired of listening to this dude in my ear yeah. every goddamn shift and it's like I I am your best player. Let me play. And, like, that's another thing with Tortorella. He tried to make Patrick Laine a power forward. Yeah, like, you can't make your Lamborghini a Honda Civic. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's it, it's mind-boggling. Like, he 
when he went to Vancouver, he was like, oh, we're going to make the 37-year-old Sedin block shots. Like, yeah. okay. Like, I'm genuinely surprised Artemi Panarin, like, did as well as he did in Columbus. Like, uh, that should just tell you how good of a player Yeah, I was just saying, that's a testament to how skilled he is. Like, oh my gosh, this team is just, it, it is shocking. And, like, I didn't think they were this bad. And then all of a sudden, their goaltending just kind of fell off a lot. And, I mean, obviously, Seth Jones has not had a good year. Like, all that offseason talk did not do him any good. That's for sure. More eyes on his um, less than uh, wanted season. And then they've had injuries, too. And they, they their power play, I think, is abysmal. Like, I'm pretty sure it's pretty bad. Like, they, they yeah. got a lot of problems. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of problems with that team, but I think that's what they need. Like, I don't think John Turtle is going to be back, which I think is a good team. I think they need a more modern, like, coach that embraces skill and talent, unlike uh, Turtle has done with Patrick Line. And you just see every week there's his guy. You got, like, Patrick Line has been the guy that he's kind of ridiculed. He's made him, like, sit on the bench because he doesn't play defense. But. And then you look at Max Domi, he's had a tough year too, and he scratched Jack Rossovich. Just like a lot of that. You just need to let your young guys play, make mistakes. Let, and your, let your good players help you win hockey games. Please. Exactly. And my, unless, Oh, sorry, what? Sorry, unless you're playing against Chicago and Patrick Line just owns us. <laughs> yeah, Line loves playing the Hawks, doesn't he? Oh, man. And if I'm Columbus right now, if I'm Yarmo Kekalainen, I got to go to ownership right now, and it's like, listen, we're not bringing back towards but number one goal is we have to find a way to bring Patrick Lyonnais back. Because if, hey, yeah. if they don't, and they let another star go, like, this mm-hmm. would be the third one. or No, like, how much, this has been, how many have they had leading back? It's been Nash? a long, not, it's like, been a long history. Like, you bring up Rick Nash, they oh, let go of Ryan Johansson, though I think that trade has more benefited them Arch. than not. But it just shows you their inability to hang on to superstars or Timmy Panarin, they let go, even Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, and now you mentioned Patrick Lyonnais might even go now. And it's and it's crazy because like we say like Patrick Lyon may go, but he's also an RFA. He should have no leverage. But at the same time, I, I mean, if I'm Patrick Lyon, I'm using all the leverage I can. I'm not signing. I'll sit out a year, like so I can be. Yeah, dude, I'm day. like, dude, just like I want to request a trade, man. Like, holy crap! If I'm Patrick Lyon, Patrick Lyon is going to be this generation's Taylor Hall, isn't he? Wow. Oh, I wow. That's a oh, that's man. interesting. Like, just this all happened to him way younger, but like. The thing crazy. is, he played. He was drafted to a very good Winnipeg Jets team, but for whatever reason, it just didn't work out there. And it sounds like it was literally because, like, he wanted to be the number one right wing, and Wheeler was like, "No, I'm the number one right wing." No. It's like, <laughs> guys, it's a fifty goal scorer. If you put him with this team, you, Wheeler, you can't play left. Like, you can't play left wing. Like one time. No, I need one. I need one right wing. I'm the oh, captain. Oh, boo I have to play with Paul Stastny on the second line. I don't know if that's the situation there, but I, it's man, just, like, you... that's the point, though. Like you, like they even Winnipeg misused their talent. It's yeah. oh man, it's just, it just boggles my mind how they can misuse such a such a gifted goal scorer. Like on a bad year, he's still going to get 15 goals probably. In a short how se- how sexy would Patrick Line be in a Blackhawks jersey? <sighs> <laughs> that would be the best slash laziest power play I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Because you'd have Line to Brinkett, Kane, Boquist, and probably like Doc. And it's all of them are good, but all of them have these moments where they just like, ah, we're not going to skate. <laughs> yeah, we'll just give it to Patrick Kane and maybe he'll do something with it. Oh my gosh. Like, and also, I want to point out from the Hawks game, going back to like going way back to that, 
it, you definitely saw a difference this game with Adam Boquist back. Oh, definitely. In the power play and kind of just moving the puck transition and stuff. He has taken such tremendous strides this year. I can't even believe how well he's playing mm-hmm. as a 20-year-old. He has right? a lot more confidence. And that was the thing I was most worried about in the offseason because he did – man, he had a rough series against Vegas. Like, oh, yeah, just the image of Alex Tuck just absolutely walking him was unfortunately etched in my brain. Yeah, it. I, I was like, man, that's the kind of stuff that you don't recover from. But Boquist is – Especially when you're that young. Like, he just turned 20. Yeah. Like, he, he has been a great surprise this year. Like, that's the thing at this Hawks team. Like, they're they're annoying, but there's been so many surprises. <laughs> oh, like, the thing, the interesting thing is we look at the season and we had a great start. And in years past, we've been kind of, like, like battling. Like, we're trying to get back in it. But this year, we actually like had a good start but kind of squandered it but and it's frustrating because you look at a lot of these games it's like if they gave a general damn for like most of the game they would win a lot of these games and that was on display this Nashville game they tried for 10 minutes and they won the game just it's like it's, it's literally like oh my god the writing's on the wall <laughs> but it just shows you if they gave a general damn like they did for like the almost full 60 minutes like they did earlier on the season I think they could be in a way better position but you look at this whole season it's definitely frustrating because we've seen glimpses that this team can be great but uh, there's a lot of ga- like a lot of games where they can really kind of get ahead or put themselves back in a good position but they kind of just squander it and uh but you look at the season as a whole it's mostly been positives just you look at the goaltending again even though it's kind of uh cratered like when you look at the save percentage and all that stuff but you also have to take into consideration the defense the penalty killing and all that like the goaltending has been a pleasant surprise you definitely can't fault the goaltending and no not at all it's just they, yeah i was just gonna say the goaltender like i expected the goaltending to be at like 900 like, oh, I'll just be honest. Yeah. Like, I was like, if we even got above a 900, I'd be like, oh, okay, that's cool. The fact yeah. that we're obviously almost above average in goaltending is amazing. And like, not even just that, but for that contract value, they're both making under a million dollars. Yeah, and, and like to think like a year and a half ago, we were paying 12 mil for our goaltenders or, almost yeah. or something like that, 11 mil. Yeah. So it, it gives you so much more cap flexibility when you have goalies on that cheap a deal. and. Obviously, like if you keep them both next year, you just they can both duke it out, and it's like, all right, which one are you going to get paid more? Let's see. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, should be definitely interesting. Mm-hmm. And there's there's still a lot of steps for this team team to take, but you look at the positives. Like Adam Bokefist has been great this year. Connor Murphy, even though he had that terrible game against Nashville, but at the same like at the same time, it's like they still won the game. And you kind everyone of got, has a bad game. Like, yeah, Keith exactly. had a terrible game the game before that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, and. You look at the defense, you expect it to take a step next year. You look at the forwards, you still have the superstars like Patrick Kane. And uh, something we completely forgot, I don't know if you saw that that thing, but Jonathan Taves should be back next year, which I think I is incredible. I don't know how brought that up yet. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know either. That like completely slipped my mind, but... Uh, I think it was Darren Dreger who reported it, and hopefully he's not lying again like he did with the Ilya Sorokin trip. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, he's just—he's gonna be like uh, he's talking to Paul Marner, except it's like whoever Taves' his dad oh, is. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, oh, I hope he's okay for next year, and uh, if uh, everything goes according to plan, that he's like uh, maybe not the first line center anymore, but the second line center. He just—he would just help this team out in so yeah. many ways that are you can't even describe. Like it. To have your captain back and, like, 
he's still going to be able to play his game probably. It's going to yeah. Such an impact on this team. Such an impact. It's going to help the league for sure. Yeah, and he's <laughs> gonna, and it's going to give them that kick in the ass that they need because we brought up a lot of times that they need that voice in the locker room. Like even mm-hmm. Brent Seabrook brought that back, but they haven't really had that this year. And I think having Jonathan Taves back, who <laughs> who I would not, I would be afraid to fuck up because like whenever like Seriously. things are going bad, he's so pissed off, which I love. I love Honestly, that he brings like, that passion. Like, I can't believe Taves didn't, like, rip off Carlton's head in Game 5 last year against Vegas because oh he God. wasn't on the ice in the final two minutes. Like, I just sat there in Game 5 last year, and I was like, Jeremy Carlton really sat there in the timeout, and he was like, we're not going to put one of the most clutch players in NHL history oh, out on the ice down by one. Gotcha. Gotcha, Carlton. Bringing, gotcha. bringing back memories that I didn't want to oh think about. Gosh. But, uh... like, I just Like, I just remembered that, and I just, oh, man, I'm not happy about that. Like, if Tage comes back, Carlton better not shaft him. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. And you look at Dominic, like you brought up Dominic Kubelik. He didn't have the sophomore slump. He had a great year last year, 30 goals. And now he, he had a bit of a tough start, a uh, tough start, definitely. But the, the, the way he's came back and has scored a lot of goals, I think that's good for him. And speaking of that, Alex DeBrinkett had a tough year <laughs> last year, but uh, he never gave up. He kept shooting the puck and now it's going his way and he's point per game. But uh, he's also like a way more complete player this year. Yeah, so. definitely. Like, um, he, I've noticed him more on the back check, like kind of hounding players being a pain in the ass. And I, mean, I, 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 penalty I kill right now. Yeah. Like he's like good on the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. He's become, he's definitely become a way more complete player. And I don't know if you read that story on the athletic, but it's so interesting how he felt to the Blackhawks because literally like it's, it's insane. Like, how many teams just looked at it and they were just like, well size. And it's like, yeah. it's 2016. I'm like, Okay. This dude had a hundred plus points in the OHL, but be my guess. Yeah, lookout was Tampa Bay. They had, I think, two picks that they could have gotten to bring it with. I think they had a late first round pick, and they had a uh, they had an early second round pick. And the yeah. players that they picked were uh, Brett Howden and Lieber Hayek. I think that's who it was. <laughs> Holy, we got so lucky, Eisenman Warren, because guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, same with Florida. I think the uh, same thing as Tampa Bay. They had a late first round pick and early second round pick. And I think they picked uh Bor- They Well, they did. They picked Borkstrom, who we now have. And they picked, I think it was Adam Masherin, who was one pick. Adam before. Masherin. I do yeah. remember that. So it's, it's so interesting. Like, obviously, look at the top of the draft. Matthews, Line A, Dubois, um, Kachuk, all impact NHL players. But Alex Dabrinkit, man, like, he belongs in that conversation. Maybe Anyone not Matt- who redrafts, he's top five. Like, yeah, he has to be top five. Just. Yeah. He's ahead of Line and Poyarby and Dubois, like, oh in my God. head. Like, yeah. the only guys who would be ahead of him in my head are Kachuk and Matthews. Oh, Not definitely. in that order, but... Yeah. Just because they're even more complete players. What You know what the best part of all three of those? Americans that are going to be on the U.S. Olympic team. Because now that Bowman's the GM of the U.S. team, there's not a doubt in my mind Alex Zabrinkit's not going to be on oh, that Oh, he totally is, man. Cat's going to be on that team as a fourth liner, and it's going to be disgusting. And you know Kane, and you know Kane is going to be the captain, too. Oh, like, yeah. as much as people will hate that, he totally like, is. I'm, like, salivating at the mouth waiting for Kane Matthews. And then they'll have, like, a pairing of, like, Slave and McAvoy, which will just be oh, so God, disgusting. Dude, dude, and then they have Hellbuck and Gibson in that. Like, I have never been so excited for U.S. hockey. Oh, definitely. Like, and... Obviously, as a Canadian, like I would not want to see USA one, but at the same time, you just look at the U. You look at the US. Like it's it's such a great story how they've risen as to an as a hockey power. So much in like the last eight years, like mm-hmm. it's crazy. The youth push that like all this young talent that's come out in the last ten years for US hockey. It's like, and it and that starts because of the nineties. Like there's no doubt, or like well, it obviously starts because of the Olympic team in the eighties, but um. 
like those '90s teams that were pretty good, like that, it, like all that young American talent back then. That's what builds this, and that's why, like, I'm like I remember like Ben and I brought it up a couple months ago. We were like, um, I'm definitely curious to see like in ten years what happens in LA with their hockey scene because mm-hmm. that's going to be a whole new generation of fans because of that team and players because of that team. Like, it's definitely interesting. It was like what Pittsburgh did when they won back-to-back cups in the early 90s. Guys like Brandon Saw, John Gibson, I think were both born in Pittsburgh or at least in Pennsylvania. And mm-hmm. you've just seen that impact it has. Even Austin Matthews, like yeah. the fact that there was a team in Arizona, I think hit one of his favorite players growing up was Danny Briera on the Coyotes. And it's just, mm-hmm. yeah. Right? Um, and like you got like a bunch of players that come out of Detroit. Like Columbus is a big one. Like I know every time we play Columbus, they like to bring it up because there's three Ohio boys playing every time. Yeah. Like Connor Murphy, Roslovic, and I can't forget. I forget the other one. I don't know. Mark Mark Doc. <laughs> Mark Doc. Yeah, that's where they come from. And same with Chicago. Like those cups that they won, and there's going to be a lot of players. There already is a lot of players from. Yeah, like, you got the, Turk. The Turk was the big yeah. one recently. Like um, I don't know if there's a. I don't think there's a prospect coming out of Chicago in the next. Not that I know. Of, I know but, Power played Steel though, so that's yeah. A I was bang. gonna say, yeah. I was gonna bring that up. Like not even, not not just that, but like there's minor league teams that are developing these great players. Like Chicago, I think Brendan Brisson went in the first round last year. He played on the Steel and just like a bunch of other guys as well. And again, like as a Canadian, you always want Canada to be number one in hockey, but you also have to look at it like objectively and how good it is for the sport that you have these players coming out of non-traditional uh, hockey markets. And it's not just the U.S. too. Like, you got to think, like, Germany can get in Yeah, Germany. Finland's like, been really good. Oh, um, awesome. I mean, Russia's still pumping out talent left, yeah. right, and center. And Sweden's not slowing down. Like, it's just going to be a very competitive Olympics. Like, and for, the, for a long time, too, because a lot of these cores are super young. Yeah. So, most of the guys are, like, 25, so... They're gonna get rematches in another four years, probably. Yeah, <laughs> so. I can't. It's it sucks so much that we weren't able to have the 2018 Olympics <sighs> with NHL players there. Like that would have been so great. It would have been so good. But like, also, I can't wait to compare the 22 team to the 14 team, or even the 16 World Cup team, especially for the U.S. because we've had so many pylons play for this team. Like, oh pretty God. sure Justin Olympic Adams was on the 2014 Olympic yeah. team. Um, Jack Johnson was too. I'm pretty sure. Ryan Callahan. Um, yeah. Like, just why? <laughs> like, the only, like, people from that old Olympic team that I'm okay with being on are, like, Pavelski, Pacioretty, and, like, maybe McDonough or Suter. Probably Suter. But, like, ugh. And also, like, I this is just me personally for the U.S. As I know you're Canadian. The Canadian's mm-hmm. going to have, like, the fucking Harlem Globetrotters for forwards. Yeah. But defensively, I don't want to see John Carlson on the Olympics. <laughs> on the Olympic team. Oh, like. like- can't Especially play. when you when you got options like Slavin and McAvoy that are just going to shut everything down on the ice, and even when you you get the rare opportunity to pass to Connor Hall, that's going to stop it. Yeah. So, man, like it's going to be exciting, and like I just want Canada to have a full speed line. I want McDavid, McKinnon, and oh, like Winter Barzell. Like I just want full speed. <laughs> Dude, like Marner, McDavid, McKinnon, and just like Crosby's on your side. It's like no, and then you, you can work... put like Crosby. You can put all the uh, Cole Harbor boys together on. A yeah, line. exactly. Yeah, it's just 
you look at Canada, the goaltending is definitely nowhere as strong as it used to be. 2014, you had Carey Price, who was basically unbeatable. 2010, Luongo. I don't know if you remember that Olympic gold medal game, but I think it was right before the Crosby goal. Scott Niedermeyer turned over the puck. I think it was to Joe Pavelski, and Luongo like robbed him. And man, if 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 Luongo did not save that, like Scott Niedermeyer's reputation is forever tarnished because of that <laughs> one moment. Man, that goal, that Just, game is insane. Oh, I think that's like the best game I've ever watched. Even if Canada did end up losing, I still think that, that would be the best game I've ever watched. Oh my god, dude! I almost vomited when I saw that goal going. I'm like, no, please for the love. I was like, I was sitting at a bar with my dad, and I was just like, oh my god, they're actually gonna do this. And then Sidney Crosby was like, "Fuck your dreams, kid." Yeah, basically. <laughs> Jerome again was like, "I got you. Hold on." <laughs> yeah. You like just Crosby yelling Iggy in the corner, and then hearing Chris Cuthbert's call that never puts goosebumps on my arm because the golden goal. Yeah, like again, I don't care who, like what side you're on. Like that's an amazing call, and, Chris and Cuthbert. It's in Canada best. too. Yeah, like, come on, dude. Like Vancouver. the the there would have been riots there had they not won, and oh, we, yeah, saw, no, we, we saw we saw we saw that a year later when Vancouver lost. Yeah, team. and ugly. that's the thing because 2002 when they won. Uh, the, their first goal, I think it was in 50 years in Salt Lake. Like, I was only, like, just barely over a year old, so I don't remember that at all. But, and in 2006, they, I think, I don't really remember that much, but my dad told me, like, they brought up, like, basically all their old guys. They left a, an 18-year-old Sidney Crosby off. And then 2010, like, all the pressure was on to win a gold medal because, yeah, you're in Canada, but, you know, you had a terrible 2006 tournament and you just need to get it. And just, there's so much drama because the U.S. actually beat Canada, I think it was 5-3 uh, to three in their round-robin meetings. And I remember it because it was Broder who was in that. And it's like, okay, Broder, you're old, but we got to we gotta go to the new guy. We got to go to Luongo. Yeah. And Luongo was fantastic, like. Like, Longo is so underrated too. Oh, like, like he does not get the love. Like it sucks he didn't win a cup, but the, it, like he was so consistent. He won a gold. He medal. has the like, long term stats. Like you know what I mean. He's got the long resume. Also, like I'm sorry, I just had a complete heart attack. I thought my fantasy lineup didn't save in the semifinal <laughs> playoffs, and I had like all of Win. I have the whole Winnipeg Jets team basically. So that would have been a problem, but it went in, so we're good. Like. Yeah, just, like, on the topic of Luongo, I think it was the Russia-Canada game. Like, Canada hadn't beat Russia since, like, the 1960s in the Olympics, and that was such a huge game as well, and they they completely dominated them. I remember Ryan Getzloff was just all over that Russian defense. Oh, he totally was. Him and him and Taves. Like, the, the, there, the, there, one of their lines was Rick Nash, Mike Richards, and Jonathan Taves. <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous. That's such, a, that that's was, such yeah. a nasty line, like, like, in both ways. Like, Nasty as in they're all annoying to play against, and nasty yeah. as in they're all disgustingly skilled. Like, whew. just thinking That's about it gives me chills. And I remember, I think there was four minutes of the game. Russia was on a power play, and then I think it was Evgeny Malkin got a breakaway, and then Luongo just completely robbed him, and that just gives me goosebumps thinking about because Cuthbert was also calling that game, and he's like, Malkin in! Stop by Luongo! And just the whole Vancouver crowd was going blue, and it's just, oh man, like, just thinking about it, it's like making me emotional and just like giving me goosebumps, and I, oh god, I can't wait for the Olympics. Seriously, it's gonna be so much fun, like... Just like thinking about that 2010 Olympics now, if Doc could be even half of what Getzloff was back the then. The thing is, the I 2000 
The 2010 Canadian team was worse than the 2014-10 team because, but like just all the drama that was in it, like the, I think it was a semifinal game against Slovakia. They're up three nothing, but then Slovakia got two quick goals and Luongo just robbed Dimitro with like an open net with like the, in the dying seconds. Like it's crazy. What a... Oh my god! Come but then on. you just go to uh, you go to the 2014 team team like that team was above all like just better than every single team that turned like there was that one. Oh, scare it wasn't that had, even going to be close. Like, like they had that one scare against Latvia when the I think it was Christos Gudlovska stopped like almost yep. 60 shots and yep. they won. But like after that, I'm like they they easily got this even against I, like the U.S. and Sweden. I'm like, no, nah, they got this, oh dude. Oh, my God. I remember watching that U.S. game in class, and I got in trouble, and I was just like, listen, let me breathe. We oh, the thing is, with that <laughs> Olympics, since it was in Russia, all like, the games It was, like, right all... after they got the one nothing goal, too, and I was just like, yeah. Me. Yeah, but, that's the thing. Like, that Olympics, since it was in Russia, all the games were on in the morning, so we'd always watch the games if they were on, like, the hockey games. It was so incredible. Yeah. Where, where are the, where's the Olympics going to be next year? Is it Tokyo? Oh, uh, yeah. No, to, no, that's not. Uh, it's in uh, um, China, I think it is. Yeah, it's in China. Oh, okay. I yeah. think the summer Olympics are in Tokyo, but yeah. Oh, what a good time to get the market to China. Send all your freaking stars there in a year. That's how you grow the game at NHL. <laughs> didn't do that in South Korea. Oh, man, but whatever. You're so stupid. Like, oh, my God. The NHL will be so great once they get out of their own way. I always say that. Like... Oh, well, anyways. <laughs> China has a billion people. If you even, like, if I don't know. If you even tap into 1% of that market, you know how many freaking people that that's is? That's like, like what, what is that, 10 million people? Like, yeah, <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Like, they just, such an untapped market, man. Like, oh. And, like, it's going to be a tap market once they see Connor McDavid go flying in circles for, like, six games. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be great. I know, I worry about Canada with, like, their defense and goals. Even the, the, the defense isn't even that bad. It's just not, like, where it was. It's just like, young. They got a young defense right now. Like, you got you got Shea Theodore's probably going to play Thomas Shabbat. You probably still have guys like Alex Petrangelo. You know they're going to put Theodore yeah, in. Petrangelo's definitely on that team. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, and you're just, Drew even Dowdy's the goaltending. The goal, team, you know that, Yeah, right? the goaltending. Yeah, the Drew Dowdy's going to be on the team, and I'm going to hate it. But... The goaltending doesn't even have to be great. It just has to make the saves it needs to be. Just let Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, Sidney Crosby do all your work. And then, like, not even just that. Like, the like the like Braden Point's going to be your third-line center. You're going to have Ryan O'Reilly and Sean Couturier on the fourth line. That's ridiculous. You can have a shutdown line with, like, Bergeron, Couturier, and O'Reilly. And, and, and Mark Stone, too. Like, it's just... <laughs> Mark Stone, too. Like, who's scoring on that, bro? Like, you had Tavares and, like, a fifth-line forward on that team. I know, and I don't, I honestly don't think Jonathan Taze is going to make that team much oh, sucks. Like, no. He, but he had his time, man. Like I'm pretty sure in the 2010 Olympics he was the Olympic best forward, and uh, then he he got the golden goal in 2014, which I think a lot of people forget. He also had the game winning assist in uh, the World Cup of Hockey too. Yeah, to Brad Marchand, I remember that. That goal was nuts. Back Anyways. when Team Europe. Thing. Oh my god, Team Europe, dude. Costa <laughs> Kopitar leading the offense. Anyways, I want to get on to another, another Canadian legend. Patrick Marlowe passed Gordie Howe for the all-time games played in NHL history, which I think is just incredible. Huge. Like, and he's on an... Isn't he still on an Ironman streak, if I recall? 
Yeah, I don't think he's missed a game since like 2009 or something like that, which is ridiculous. And like, yeah, his game's falling off, but like the fact that your body's at that age and you're still able to play every game is incredible. I know that's the huge thing. Hockey is such a freak sport; like anything can happen. The fact that he hasn't got like high sticked in the face and like had to miss a game to like stitches or anything, or got like a puck to the face or any of that kind of stuff. Exactly. It's just, it's incredible. And then there was like, and he a doesn't lot of... play like a soft game either. He goes to the dirty no. areas. No. <laughs> and he's been such a good player for a long time. And I, and I saw that stupid Steve Simmons tweet where it's like Hart trophies, one Wayne Gretzky, nine Gordy Howe six. Uh, I think it's Eddie Shore four. And then Ovi Lemieux or Clark and Morenz all three. And then he's like, Marlon once finished ninth in heart voting. But then I scroll down and I saw this awesome tweet and I'm trying to fill the air till I find it. But <laughs> all so, I want to say is that I can't wait till people use that argument with McDavid in 20 years. And I'm literally just like going to fucking cardiac arrest because it's going to piss me off a wall. Well, McDavid did win enough heart trophies. It's like the, the guy should have won five straight now. Like yeah, the only no. year he shouldn't have won was when Kucherov had 128 points. That's it. Uh, like since he's come in the league and, and people want to be like, well, you know, dude, and his own know. teammate won it last year. Yeah, like, you think his own teammate wins that if he's not there? Okay, yeah, yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. And there's... Like, uh. Sorry, there's this tweet from uh, Chris Call who replied to Steve Simmons after that dumb tweet. It's like, Polar Surprises won. It's just like a bunch of these authors with like three underneath and he says, Steve Simmons was once runner-up on the TSN hockey quiz, which is just... That's so awesome. I love it. Steve when, Simmons sucks. Like, he doesn't even I get know. clicks on articles. He gets clicks on his tweets. Yeah, basically. <laughs> It's, it's like one a thing. NHL by Maddie. I know. It's it's one thing to be contrarian, but like, man, the fact that he's playing that many games and everything I've heard about Patrick Marlowe, I think he has four little boys. He has a wife and like just everything that he's like, he's like the the stereotypical. Like the world's nicest guy. Like you yeah, can't he's from him. he's from Anroy, Saskatchewan. Like where Gordy Howe is also from, not from Anroy, but I think he's some from Saskatchewan. I can't remember where, but like, just like the most typical Canadian hockey player, basically. Ever and then it's like no, we got to shoot on this guy, even though he's played like almost eighteen hundred games and hasn't missed a game in over a decade. It's ridiculous, dude. Right. Oh boy. Um, By the way, that Leafs Jets game is two uh, one in the first three minutes. So what that's the? Fun. Oh, it's already played. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. Matthews got it's a goal like twenty seconds in, and then Simmons scored, then Shifley scored. So. Oh man, that's going to be a good playoff series. Like oh, I think yeah, that's dude. what's going to happen. I think that's going to be the second round because looking at the Canadian division, it's going to be Toronto, Montreal. I think honestly, I think Montreal does give the Leafs some trouble, but I think they pull that out in six games. But and I think honestly, as much as I, I want to see McDavid go at least around deep, I think Winnipeg takes that series because Edmonton they didn't do anything at the freaking trade deadline. Either did Winnipeg, yeah. but they're more complete team. But like Edmonton, you have the two best players in the world, and it's like you don't get to pick and choose. This is not our year. Like. Oh, just, 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 you're just writing the, you're just putting the writing on the wall for Connor McDavid to leave after his contract. Yeah, like and I think that's all you're doing right now. Yeah, there was a quote from Adam Larson. It's like they didn't make any trades because uh, they believe in us, and I'm like, no, buddy. I think it's it's the entirely opposite. That's of not that. how that works. If they believe no. in you, they make a move to help you. That's usually what happens. Like, oh man, like and I, I just want McDavid, like, because if they're gonna beat any team in that Canada division, Edmonton, Winnipeg's the team they're gonna beat. Yeah, because. That's a team where their defense is honestly worse than the Hawks. So it's it's definitely their like, like when you look at like Winnipeg is actually games. Winnipeg is actually pretty similar to what the Blackhawks are. You got a stacked offense, pretty average defense, and that's putting it nicely. And you got 
pretty good goaltending. Well, no, they got a Vesna goalie. That's oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> but like when you put in Crawford, like last year when you had Crawford and uh, Leonard, like that's I think that was the most comparable. Yeah. I think oh, there's yeah, a lot yeah, of comparisons yeah. to be you. made, but but. Uh, also, at the same token, Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl could win you an entire series, but can you? They oh, yeah. like can they drag you to the cup? I don't think so, man. Like maybe oh. out of like maybe maybe out of the that Canadian division, but then you got to go up against one of Colorado, Vegas, Tampa, or whoever the hell comes out of the wait, Eastern division, wait, which I think is wait, our. are they facing the West or are we facing the West? Um. So the North, so all divisions, they play each other till the uh, third round. I forget how it goes, but like the, the top team out of each division comes out or like the, the remaining team comes out of each division and they play each other. I don't think, and I'm pretty sure it's like based off of points. Whoever has the highest points plays the team with the lowest points and then the two teams in the middle meet. Okay. Pretty sure that's how it works. Of course, it's the NHL. Leave it up to the NHL to make things confusing and not being entirely clear on all this, but, um. Anyway, <laughs> it it'll just be interesting, I think. Um, yeah, and speaking of which, Vegas was the first team last night to clinch a playoff spot, which good for them. But also at the same time, yes, Vegas and Colorado are in that division. I think that's going to be a I think they're going to face each other in the second round. That's going to be a hell of the playoff series. I think that's going to be on like Chicago, LA level, like from. Oh yeah, no, that's the new Caps fans for the West. That's that's yeah. what it's going to be. Like that's going to be the matchup for the next little while. But then you and Minnesota's comfortably in there. But then you look at like the the teams that are battling for the fourth spot. It's Arizona, St. Louis, even San Jose and LA are kind of in there. San Jose and LA, I have like an outside chance. But it's between Arizona and St. Louis, and they're both like, very average teams, which is yeah. interesting. It'll definitely be interesting. And also, like, um, I just want to point out that uh, Vegas wouldn't be as good as they are if they didn't have number one center Matias Yanmark. Just want to point that out. Okay. Got another assist last night. <laughs> I honestly hope he wins a cup there. Same with Robin Leonard. As much as I don't like the Gold Knights and just playing them last year made me hate them even more. Like, watching Robin Leonard lift the cup would be spectacular. Spectac- spectac- watching Leonard win the cup would be great, but, like, yeah. ah. I got to also, also see all those other. I got to see, like, Ryan Reeves. And, yeah, like, I know. I was going to say Ryan Reeves is going to lift um, the cup. And, I got to see uh, Thomas Nosek lift the cup. I got to see all the. William <laughs> Carrier, I no, think. No, Carrier is not on that team. Thank God. Oh, I he is No, I think he's on Nashville. Is he? What the hell? I, I'm I pretty sure he's on Nashville. Don't quote me on that. But, I don't um, know. <laughs> yeah, I just, like, there's half of that team I can't stand. So. No. <laughs> it, it's, it, it comes to question, is Robin Leonard winning the cup, like, good enough to trump all those other players winning it? Exactly, right? <laughs> what would you think about, like, Thomas Yurko and Dylan Sakira lifting the cup? <laughs> I just think it's so funny that we have Gaudette now, because... I remember in 2018, we were just like, man, what if we could just, like, steal Goddard from uh, Vancouver? That's right, because he played with Sakura in uh, North University. Yeah, they were both called Earth University. Yeah. Uh, Hobie Baker. Finals. Yeah. Pretty I sure Goddard won the Hobie Baker. The year yeah. he came in first. Yeah, Goddard so, won so. the Hobie Baker. Mm-hmm. And just during looking at that list, because someone like Johnny Gaudreau won it, but then there's, like, a bunch of no-names that won it. I'm pretty sure Drew LeBlanc was one who won it, and, like, he became nothing for the Blackhawks. It's interesting. Hey, Jimmy VC, bro. Yeah, Jimmy VC as well. You remember that summer where it was, like, the Jimmy VC sweepstakes? Jimmy VC watch. The mood is tense. Yeah. I, I definitely remember that. <laughs> like, looking back in hindsight, like, they shouldn't have done that. But there's, like, a couple of those free agent players. Like, someone like Will Butcher, who, for whatever reason, is not... Yeah, I wanted the Hawks to Will Butcher so bad will... back in the day. Yeah. But, uh... But now we yeah. have Wyatt Kalanick. 
Yeah, that's true. Oh, I don't know if I brought this up, but did you, and he is part of the Wayne Gretzky trade trade tree. I don't know if I've told you that. Oh uh, no, I think you brought that up before. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure I brought that up on the live stream, but he's technically part of the uh, Wayne Gretzky trade tree because uh, Philadelphia drafted him with one of the picks that was. You would have to watch that video because it's like at the fifty. It's like an hour long video. Yeah, it's a big trade tree. I yeah. Imagine. Like because it's, it's been going still on, going on after yeah, like it's still going on. Like it's been years. going on. Like it's been going on for almost thirty-five years. Because I think the Gretzky trade was like in nineteen eighty-eight or something like that. Speaking of trade trees, you need to start a trade tree of how the Hawks got the Brandon Saad draft pick because um, there's just a lot after that. Hmm? They got it from Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Jeremy Moran was part of that. Nah, Jeremy Moran was part of the Richard Panic deal. I'm oh, no, dude, there's like there's a lot of Blackhawks trade tree that we can go through. That's crazy. Like that's something we gotta do in the off season. Like just kind of yeah, like, dude. Uh, we should definitely like Hawks trade trees. We'll just like go dude, back. That would be awesome. Yeah, because there's a bunch and like um like there's a bunch of things that have happened with the Hawks over the years that kind of just get like swept under the rug. Like, uh, one thing that was big, I remember they were talking about, like, this is a long time ago, like, completely off topic, but, like, when they won the 2015 Cup, they were always at the end, like, how this team could have been completely different, and their trajectory could have been completely different if they let San Jose um, get that offer sheet on Jalmerson. Oh, my God, that's right. That might be, they, like, they that's chose probably... Niami, they chose Jalmerson over Niami, and if they didn't do that, I just, I wonder where this team is. Oh, <laughs> they don't win the other two Cups because, yeah. Wow. Miami and Crawford as a tandem those two years, you don't win in 2013. Oh. Is, Stan, is that the smartest decision Stan Bowman's ever made? I think so. Like, Probably. I don't think... Was Bowman the GM in 2010? Yeah, he would have. He would have. I think it was 2009, 2010 he became okay, the GM. Yeah. So that was his first year. Yeah, that was probably his biggest move. I'd say. Man, oh man. Um... But, yeah, because the playoffs are coming up soon, and like I'm, mean, it's and because a lot of the stangs are locked, and we went over the West Division. Like it's, other than the four spot, like Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota, like it's pretty much locked. And I'm like Minnesota's going to finish third. It's really a matter of who finishes first, and I'm pretty sure that's Colorado. But like I wouldn't count Vegas out winning the division either. But it's it's going either way. It's going to be Vegas, Colorado in that second round, and that's uh, like I brought up earlier. That's going to be an oh, LA Kings. I'm so ready for seven games of that. Please. Oh, me too. So the fact, fun. the fact we didn't get that last year. Just like, fingers crossed, they're both healthy. Like, please, mm-hmm. we just need them to both be healthy if they're just gonna happen. Because if Colorado rolls into the second round with a third string goalie again, I'm gonna be frustrated. Oh, I know it's <laughs> such a Mickey Mouse. And they still, I, they Holy still, crap. they still won. They still almost won. They were one goal away. Literally, if Joel Kiviranta didn't score a hat trick, they would have made the third Joel round. Kiviranta didn't do a crap ton of coke before the third period yeah. of that game. They would have been fine. But no, this oh. dude was cracked out of his mind in Game Seven. <laughs> well, like either way, that's still like one of the best Game Sevens I've ever watched. Like oh, I remember watching that game. That was incredible. Yeah. No, I was so mad, bro, because we were leaving. I was at um, I was at like a dinner or something, right? And we were in the car ride back, and it's like a thirty minute car ride. I'm sitting there, I'm getting like texts from all my friends. They're like, "What the hell is going on in this Stars game right now?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I I don't even know. Like, I can't even come home." And I get home like three minutes after the Kiwi Ronson goal. Oh I was like, God. "The OT goal?" Yeah, the OT goal. Like, oh, I missed dude. everything at that end of the part. Like, I was like, "This is so stupid." And then they ended up, like, manhandling Vegas, which frustrated me even more. Because, like, yeah. 
why? <laughs> yeah, I still think Tampa wins the cup. Like, even if Colorado is fully healthy, I still think Tampa wins the cup that year because they were on a mission to win oh, that Tampa, year. Tampa pulled like a Virginia in the March Madness, like when they got eliminated in the first round. They were just like, you know what? We're going to prove why we're this damn good. Yeah, like, this is even my final form, but... Uh, they, the, they didn't even have Stamkos! No, <laughs> they, they had... Fuck it, Stamkos literally showed up for one shift, scored a goal, dipped out, and Bro, they still won, and he got to lift the cup. Such yeah. a chat by Stamkos. You gotta respect it. Oh, dude. 100% shooting percentage in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> and he totally deserved that, man. The guy has been... Oh, yeah, I was so happy when he scored that, I know. dude. I hate the Lightning, because I live here, and I gotta deal with their stupid... Oh, players. yeah, that's right. But... It's like Stamkos has had so much bad luck. I think he didn't make the 2010 Olympic team when he was as a rookie. He like didn't couldn't make the 2014 when he was going to be a lock. Yeah, he was going to make the Olympic team, but then he got injured again. Like just injury after injury, you factor in the 2015 Stanley Cup final, and you like look at all the the like the disappointing exits Tampa had, like when they lost to Pittsburgh in the conference final, and you get back to back shutout against Washington. Like they had a lot. Literally, Jimmy and I talked about it last podcast. We were like, this team has gotten goalied out of the playoffs their last four eliminations. Until yeah. they won that cup. Like, yeah, it was Crawford, it was uh, Murray, Holby, it was Holby. Back to back. The future is, uh, as everyone liked to say back then, the next Tony Esposito, Matt Murray. Even yeah, though he, he faced, like, what, 20 shots day, so. in that game? 20 shots a night. All he does is face The thing is, with that Pittsburgh 2016 team, it, like, they didn't even have that good of a defense or goaltending. It was the fact that it was, they were in the offensive zone, like, most of the game. That wild game, or that... The Winnipeg game is three to two Toronto right now. Hellebuck yeah, I know. Pulled. I just got a tweet from Freeman. It's three to two, and Hellebuck got pulled. And uh, guess Joe who scored? Fox. Joe Thornton. His oh, Mark Schreitz. Look at look at Andrew Kopp. He has fifteen goals and twenty one assists oh, this year. Oh my god! And he got an yeah, he got an assist on the Shifley goal too. Man, That's god, crazy. He's killing it this year. Yeah. A Brendan Smith just scored a goal. Oh dear. Mike Riley is fit right in with Boston. On Philadelphia. Okay, that, that doesn't count. It's Philadelphia, man. Philadelphia. <laughs> <It doesn't count. laughs> Take the goal off. Dude, but uh, speaking of that, the Eastern Division, uh, I think the four teams are locked in. The New York Rangers could take that four so. spot, but I wouldn't bet on it because, like, the teams that are in there, Washington, Islanders, Pittsburgh, and Boston, I, as much as I don't like Boston, I think I like I would be comfortable in betting that they make the playoffs over the Rangers. Plus, they yeah. they have two games in hand on them. Plus, Boston, since the trade deadline, has looked just like a fuck. Dude, I'm so glad that Taylor Hall has, has found a home. Like, I really, as, like, again, as Taylor much, Hall on a good hockey team is just what this world needed. Like, exactly. And, and he doesn't as, have to be the guy. He doesn't have to be the guy anymore. No. Which is perfect for him. Which is and, ironic. Yeah, but wouldn't that have to be the guy with McDavid? But, you know. yeah. <laughs> but <Thanks>. <laughs> as much as I hate Boston, I hope he finds a home there because he needs to be on a good team. And as much as we hate Boston, they have probably been the most consistent team of the decade, like the past 10 years or so. Yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> well, and, they kind of did the thing the Hawks did. Like, they were down for three years. Cause yeah, they had it. That's something yeah. got Boston knocked, so. Yeah, they... They had a couple of years where they're kind of like they didn't make the playoffs, but then they, then you get Pastor Mac, then you get McAvoy, and then you add that to your core, and it, it also helps that Bergeron like has aged gracefully, even though. But it's just yeah. Um, yeah Boston's just been a very well-run organization the last few years. Yeah, and definitely. It's, it's gonna be very interesting what they do in the next few, also, because the the core's getting older. Pastor yeah, Mac needs to in two years. Yeah. Obviously, what's gonna happen with Rask? Um, a lot of questions. Well, they, have, 
But at the same time, Boston has kind of entered Pittsburgh territory where it's like they find these guys you've never heard of and they make an impact in the lineup. Like Jeremy Swayman. going to win the Vezina next year, isn't he? Yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy Swayman like, came out of nowhere and he's like, I think he has like five wins in six games or something like that. And you look at a goalie for the future, maybe that's it. I don't know. Like it's, it's such a small sample size, but it just seems like Boston, they're kind of like in that Pittsburgh mold where they can just find anyone and they put them in the lineup regardless of what position it is and they'll, they'll do well because they got that core around that they can just kind of put around them. Yeah, I agree. But uh, the, It's a strong board built deep and they make the right moves for their team every year, I feel like. Like every acquisition they've made in the last few years has worked in Boston. Except yeah. for, like, no, actually, no. Most of them have. I can't even think of one that hasn't. Like, Coyle worked. Johansson worked. Nash worked to an extent, I'd say, before Tampa just, like, shellacked them. Oh, my God. That was like, 2018, right? Like, I'm, like, it's gone that far back. They've made good moves. So. Uh, what do you think's the best team in that division, the Eastern Division? <sighs> Probably because the they're so, Yeah, I was going to say the Islanders are my team because... They they've proven that they can go far. They were they gave Tampa Bay all they could really handle. Like they took them to a game six overtime, and yeah. and they play that style that just hinders a lot of high octane offensive teams. And then they make them play a tight checking game. And they have they can doesn't matter what goalies in the net. They're, they're gonna obviously have great goaltending and. They have such great depth scoring this year. That mm-hmm. I think that gets thrown under the rug a lot. Yeah, adding Paul Mary to that team, that's going to help a lot. Zajac's been great, too. Like, Zajac. Uh, exactly. Zajac's yeah. been picking up points left, right, and center on that team. It's surprising. Yeah, um, I honestly, I think they're the best team because Perry Trotz is the best coach in the NHL. And that's another interesting discussion. Who's going to be the coach for Team Canada in 2022? Because it's not going to be Babcock, and I hope, pray to God, it's not. It's either him or uh, Quenville. Trotz or Quenville, and I think I, I think it would have to be Trotz just because. Unless like Florida makes a deep run this year, it's gonna be Trotz. Yeah, I still think it's Trotz just because of like he, he's he, it's more recency bias because he's got the cup from 2018 and he's done more with the Islanders, albeit yeah, Quenville has I, done a, done pretty I good agree. with the Panthers. I think it's but hilarious I, that Capital fans wanted Trotz out. Like like oh they, like if you talk to a Cavs fan at that time, they would tell you Trotz is the worst coach that will walk the earth. This dude and, is. Like, yeah, and before that cup, clearly you could, the best coach. You could maybe argue that before the cup, but like they won, so like what? Did, it really? Right? Oh my gosh, so dumb. But <laughs> yeah, I'd probably say the Islanders. Like they just they're they're just solid up and down their lineup, and it's very rare you find a team like that. Like they're they're they remind me of Vegas a lot in a way with the way they deploy their. They're team. like a poor man's Vegas kind of. Yeah, honestly. Except they, they actually still... have a star. Well, no, actually, they got Mark Stone, so. Yeah, Mark, Mark Stone, Stone, Matt Barzell, just different types of stars. Like, See, yeah. I don't trust Washington. It's just, they no. have great I offense. I don't trust their goaltending. Mantha has been great. Again, I don't trust that defense and goaltending. Like, they are one of the worst defensive teams in the NHL. Yeah, and their goaltending is just not good. Like, Vanacek's been okay at times, but Samsonoff's taken a, yeah. like, not a step back, but he just hasn't taken a step forward which I think this team very much expected when he, when they let Holby walk. But um, I don't know, man. Like, they just – like, they're a night – like, and I'll and I'll hear it from Connor, who's a huge Cavs fan. Like, I'll watch them some nights, and they look great. But there's other nights where they look like they could get beat 6 nothing by the Sabres if they wanted to. So. I'm more confident than Boston, Boston than I am with Washington. Yeah, I'd agree. And then, like, who's the other team you have in Pittsburgh. 
You can never count Pittsburgh out, but you can never count Pittsburgh out. But the Islanders have their number, so yeah. I how I'd rank it, I would go Islanders, Boston, Pittsburgh, and Washington. Even though it's funny because Washington's at the top. I'd put Washington, Pittsburgh, but I'd I'd probably have the same top two. I'd have Islanders and Boston, hundred percent. And like the Rangers, they're just really good offensively right now. They're on a bender. They're doing what the Hawks did in January a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And the last division, the Central Division, uh. God, like any one of those top three teams can get first, but uh, and like, but it's pretty much settled in. But then the fourth team, I as great as that win was against Nashville last night, I don't think they make the playoffs. But to me, it's between Dallas and Nashville. And who do you think gets that fourth spot? I okay, I don't want Dallas to make the playoffs just because I it's gonna be the dumbest thing that's happened in this year. If a team of twenty three regulation wins or whatever they're gonna have, yeah, they're at nineteen right now. They only have nine, and they have twelve overtime losses. That's the thing, like twelve overtime losses, man. Are you kidding me? Like, I mean, at least give Nashville credit because they really just started picking up wins at the end. Nashville like, has twenty five wins. Like, they're only five wins behind. Uh, yeah, that the, was their the, second overtime the, loss last night. Like, this yeah. team knows how to close games out in regulation, but at the same time, I don't really think it matters who makes it. Whatever team it is is getting smoked by Carolina or Tampa. So or or even Florida, I think. Honestly, would. like I, I personally, I think Carolina is the best team in the Central right now. But um, literally any of those teams right now could just like they could come out of that division, and I wouldn't be shocked. And I'd probably pick them out of the four teams remaining at that point. That's how good the Central's been this year. Dude, like regardless of what happens, I need to see Florida and Tampa Bay. Like those oh, teams have been in man, the league. Like they've been. One. Like they've been in the league together for almost thirty years, and I don't think they played each other in the playoffs yet. We need Dude, to see that. Be a bloodbath too, like so much speed. So I much still skill. think I still think Tampa wins that, but yeah, Tampa and like it's seven, gonna be close. But... Yeah. Also, um, I just want to point out a bias thing with the Hawks. If the Hawks do end up pulling it out of their ass and get the fourth seed, uh, Carolina better be the one seed. Is there the only Carolina or Florida? Because they play Tampa second night. Yeah. <laughs> And, that'll be four. That'll be and, that'll be Tampa and three, actually. Yeah. But on, on another good second round matchup would be Carolina and Tampa. That would be great. I just man, Carolina is so much fun to watch, and they're getting healthy too at the right time. So yeah, it, I still stick to my thing. It's like Tampa. Not only did they win last year, but they did it in those circumstances. So I still think they have, even though they might have not have been as good this year as they were last year. Vasilevsky's still great. They don't have Nikita Kucherov, and I still think they could win the Stanley Cup easily. And like, I wouldn't be surprised if they did oh, again. Yeah. Like, if I, they go back to back. No, yeah, I agree. Tampa's been fantastic this year. I uh, Nothing against them at all. Like, it's just um, the way I saw that Carolina team, like, kind of hold the fort and not even hold the fort, just – exceed expectations while Morazic was out and like Tara Bynum was out for a couple months. They lost Trocek for a bit. They lose guys and they just put someone back in. It's next man up mentality with that team. And, and that's one thing, and well, I was just gonna say the biggest thing with Carolina is I've seen them play their game against Tampa every single time they've played them. Tampa has had to form to their game every time. And that's a big thing with Tampa. Yeah. And I think a telling thing of how good a team is, is regardless of all the injuries you go through, you always find ways to win. You always find players to call up in your organization and like be not only just like hold their own, but be impact players. And I think that's a testament to how good like teams like Carolina and Pittsburgh. I get Nashville credit for that one too. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I don't like Nashville, like they, their players do their job. Like a lot of their bottom six guys. 
Yeah, and they got banged up this year, too. Like, still no Forsberg. Tolbin was out for a bit. Shane was out for a bit. I'm pretty sure every defenseman except Yossi's been out for some time. I think Yossi was out, too. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, they're all out for some time. There you go. Like, it, it's just crazy what's happened in that division. And, then, like, the division's so weird because it's so top-heavy, and then there's just, like, this, like, middling echelon. For the, it's, like yeah. the, it's like the West, in a way. Like, you have, like, your, your top part, except it's – three instead of two teams and then like it's just like all right who's gonna limp into the four seed yeah so who do you think wins the cup this year gun to head who do you think wins it who's your favorite carolina Ooh. Yeah. Carolina. Uh, see, there's... actually no mm, fuck i want to say carolina or vegas but i could totally see Colorado too. Oh, there. definitely. If Colorado can get healthy, that's the key. If Colorado's out, no. Yeah, they but stay healthy. If they can stay healthy and they can get by Vegas somehow, I just think like one of those three teams probably. I'm going to narrow it down to that. The thing with Colorado is they have like 60% like shot share. Like it's it's ridiculous and but they need to stay healthy. If Grubauer gets injured, like I don't think they win. Or like but, McKinnon or McCarr or, yeah. or someone goes down like that. That's a problem for them. I don't know if so much like the defense. Like if McCarr goes down, I think they can hold on the fort just because like regardless of who they put in, like Devontae's or Sam Gerard or Bone Byer, like any of those they, guys. Devontae's and Sam Gerard have been excellent. Oh, they're ridiculous. Like their their shot share numbers are like above sixty percent. It's ridiculous it's how good that team is. And but if they lose McKinnon, it's it's done. It's, like it's done. Dead in the water. Because he's just such that, like, he's such a good center that, like, if you lose him, there's not, you don't really even have, like, that guy who could potentially step in the number one. Like, I think Nazem Kadri's their number two center, which is pretty good, but I don't know if he can carry that team that, to the cup. But, you like, know? If, if it's the next man up, that makes him your one, and then JT Compers your two. And then if yeah. JT Compers your two, like, they have good wingers, but eh, we'll see. That can only do so much but i'm still gonna stick i think tampa repeats i don't know it's just something about them like that's, not, that's I, a good pick though that's a good pick yeah like, especially since church will be back for the playoffs like yeah. no one knows what he'll be like coming back and if exactly. he's if he's firing on all cylinders like I don't know man yeah like they're this good without kucherov not only did again like not, not only did they win the cup last year but the the circumstances they did it in like they just they know what it takes to get it done not only like to win the cup but like in that kind of circumstance like in that mm-hmm. kind of setting so that's why i think tampa was gonna win it vasilevsky if not for mcdavid like he would probably be in some hard con, con-, con- I, I still think Vasilevsky yeah. should get some heart boats this year yeah just by the, like look at how this team performs when he's not in when not in net like yeah. every time mcdavid's <laughs> in net he gets shelled yeah. yeah and I think Dennis or Dennis Savard, Jesus, David Savard. Dennis Savard, yeah. Tampa Bay Lightning legend, yeah. baby. I, I think he helps that blue line for the playoffs, like like particularly the playoffs because he just plays that kind of style. Like their defense is good enough. I think Hammond can lead it. And then you just look at their forwards, like Brain Point, Kucherov, Stamko. Like it just goes on That's and on. Sorelli, it's ridiculous. Like they got the depth to do it. And I, st- I think they repeat, to be honest. But at the same time, it wouldn't sh- shock me if like Colorado won or. Yeah. Carolina or Vegas to me like the five teams that are kind of in are like Vegas Carolina Colorado and Washington or not Washington sorry Tampa Bay and the Islanders as well those are like my five teams because yeah I don't the one and I'm gonna throw a dark horse in there because I know you were talking about it earlier Boston's definitely the dark horse oh definitely Boston if Boston goes in hot like look out <laughs> like 
Yeah, I they're they're definitely like a team that's kind of a dark horse right now because just because they're not having that great of a season, they're not as good as they are in years past. But uh, you look at it, they have the pieces to get it done. They have Taylor Hall now, and you never know that might just like. Uh, yeah, I, I like, yeah, I don't think they're a favorite, but like if there's yeah. someone that's gonna make a dark horse run, that's definitely Boston. And then whatever the opposite of a dark horse is, that's a Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, and and the Washington. The second happens. they get out of that Canadian division, they're getting shelled. Oh, I'd say with Washington, I just don't have much faith in them. I kind of just, like, pray that, like, the Leafs get out, like, in, like, you know, like, five or, or, like, nine or ten games for their two series, and they're just like, this is easy. And then they have to go play, like, the Islanders. Or even Boston. I hope Boston makes it the third round. Oh, please be Boston. (laughs) Please be Boston with Taylor Hall. And then Taylor Hall gets the Game 7 winner, so they can be like, we should have got him instead of Foligno. Yeah, not even that. Nick Foligno's the one who turns the puck over to Taylor Hall. Draw. <laughs> Inject that into my veins, please. <laughs> Trying to set up William Melander just so they can blame Melander some more and then he can get traded. Yeah. The they don't deserve William Melander. It's they ridiculous. don't deserve him, bro, at all. It's insane. It's like, like they should give him to us and then they can have Alex Nylander and they'll Really? Race. How about we just do a swap? <laughs> then you get to see what a bad Nylander looks like. Like, oh my gosh. Oh my god, dude. Alright. Do you have anything else, more else to add? I think we can wrap this up. Um... No, I just I really hope the Hawks play a full sixty tomorrow. That's for sure. Because if they do, I think if they don't win tomorrow, I think they're out of the playoffs. But if they do, they still have a fighting chance to get in. Must win in regulation, Can't let that. They, yeah, you need to win in regulation. That's the can't big key. Like as much as I love overtime hockey, can't let it go to overtime. I know, but like it's great that they won last night. But it would have been even better if they converted on that four minute power play. But you know, beggars can't be choosers. Like exactly. you got, you have to win this game. If you want a chance at the playoffs, even a chance, like not to get in the fourth place, like even a chance, but yeah. Also, uh, since Jimmy's not here, uh, we're definitely going to have to have some Falcon and Winter Soldier talk next episode because the finale's tonight. (laughs) I can't wait. You got to get on that show, buddy. I know I do. There's a lot of shows I need to get on. I actually just finished Parks and Rec and now I'm on uh, Arrested Development and I love Arrested Development so far. Arrested Development is funny. (laughs) Oh, I fucking love it so far. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. It was a great conversation, Smitty, just the two of us. I think it was our first podcast, just you yeah, and I together, and I thought it went pretty well. Oh yeah, it went great. This is smooth as can be. I just hope like we can get Jimmy back so we can get all three of us in here. I know, and, make fun, and have someone to make fun of. Yeah, where's the leopard clown when you need him? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, thank you everyone for tuning in. Hope y'all are doing well, staying safe, social distancing, wearing your mask, all that good stuff, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Peace, y'all. Have a good one.